How many like to celebrate? Yeah? Oh, uh-huh, Mike's got his hand up. <laughs> yeah, my son tuned into that right almost at the end, and they were losing, and then all of a sudden they went the other way. So if you're an, if you're a Michigan fan, sorry, uh, if you're a green green and white, then uh, you're who, I heard you hoorah last night. So we celebrate a lot of things, don't we? Sometimes games. We celebrate uh, what about birthdays? Yeah. Yeah, that's why Mike's raising his hand, because what are you, 68, 70? Nah, I know he's a little younger than that. You look good, though, brother. We celebrate birthdays. We celebrate, uh, I've seen a couple of little bit, oh, man, your babies are awesome. They're just so fun to look at. And of course, you know, when I get down at their level and I'm trying to cool them and they start crying, it always makes me feel bad. But it didn't happen today, though. They, they actually participated and smiled back, so... I wasn't too scary looking. How about some of you parents are like toddlers, potty training. Would we celebrate that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. Better believe it. Anniversaries? Any, any anniversaries in here today? No? What's that? Not today. We celebrated yesterday. Yesterday? Well, it wasn't yesterday. It was like A year ago? I'm messing with you. <laughs> well, congratulations. Some of us celebrate Fridays, especially if we don't have to work the weekend. Yeah, you're right. And then yesterday we celebrated the life of a man that uh, was a big part of one of our own, and uh, Brother Patrick. We celebrated his life and what he meant pretty cool. And most Sundays, most Sundays, and I only say that because two weeks ago we didn't have church, but most Sundays we come together and we celebrate our love for him. That's what it's all about. That's what church is all about. It's just getting together and giving a big hoorah for the one who saved us, for the one who paid it all so that we could have it all. (laughs) that's the kind of God we serve. So today we're going to look at how the celebration of worship is really, it's a necessary form of warfare. And you're going to see why I'm saying that in just a minute. But I want you to really dig in with, this whole message was actually prepared by Pastor Barb, um, and she's teaching it to our young people as well. So, Again, what they hear is going to be a little different than what I'm sharing with you. Uh, She brings it down so that they can grab hold of a little nugget, and I tend to expand it because I'm a wordy kind of guy. You know, this is funny, sort of. We met for prayer this last week, and, you know, uh, there were just four of us this time. Pastor Scott, uh, Pastor Steve uh, uh, Datema, Pastor Scott Disler, and then... uh, Pastor Jim uh, Hebler, and we met for prayer, and we were talking about how long our messages are, and I was shocked. The Baptist brothers, only 30 minutes, and I'm like, what? That, that to me is a miracle, you know? And then the other guy shared, and, and Pastor Scott's 40 minutes, and, and he has to stay there because he's on air 
So he can't go over. He has to be within that little time frame. Guess who was the longest? <laughs> yeah. Woohoo. Uh, I'm about 50 minutes. So anyhow, you guys just are blessed. So I, I try to make it worth your while to, that you come out in this cold stuff. You get your money's worth. There you go. Here's the thing. As we look back at some of these Old Testament kings, what we're going to see is that when they worshipped God, and it hasn't changed, when they worshipped God, that it brought the favor of the Lord on them, on their people. It brought, literally brought, victory into their lives. That's what we're going to see today. When we come in here, you might just think it's just a nice thing to do. Sit here and sing. La, 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 la. John. Ushers. It really is warfare. Yes, we need prayer. It doesn't, doesn't diminish prayer. Prayer is another aspect of this. We'll get into that a little bit more next week. But this worship thing, this celebration of who Jesus is, just saying, God, I couldn't have done it without you. That's why I chose that song, You Said. Because it's not about what we said. It's not about what people say about us. It's about what He says about us. And He says good things about us. You can bank on that. You really can. So we're going to look at three different things over the next few weeks, and this is the, the title that the Lord gave Pastor Barb. Celebrate, soak, and saturate. How many can do that? Celebrate, soak, and saturate. I've said this often before, but if you ever find yourself in a place where you do not know what to do, this is my best wisdom to you. Start to praise. Start to praise. Lift up the name of Jesus. Let him know that he is your God and you will rout the enemy. I want to begin today by looking at the Old Testament. In this book, 2 Chronicles, and I'm going to start with uh, chapter 17 if you brought your word. I'm going to put some verses up but not all of them, just for the sake of time today. In, a, in my preparation, I didn't have time to put them all down. So, um, But I will share kind of where I'm at, so you'll, you'll have a clue. At the young age of 35, Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, P-H-A-T, not F-A-T, the son of Asa became the fourth king of Judah. The Bible tells us that he reigned 25 years, which is a pretty good chunk of time to be a leader. Amen? So why was this king so unique? We're going to read about that. 2 Chronicles 17. And I actually have uh, a couple of these up, but I'm going to start with verse 3. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the example of of his father's early years and did not worship the images of Baal. 
Now, I want to say this. I put this one up a little bit premature, but I wanted to say this. It is so important, dads. It is so important, grandpas, uncles, that you lead by your example. Our kids are watching us. And if we don't give them something to hang on to, if we don't lead them down the right path, they're going to go down the wrong path. But if they see you taking a stand, eventually, they're going to want to do the same thing. They're going to want to follow suit. And that's what happened here. Jehoshaphat had great examples. And he wanted to live like his dad lived. He sought his father's God, verse 4, and obeyed his commands instead of following the evil practices of the kingdom of Israel. And I'll get into that in just a minute. Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah, which is a southern kingdom. Israel was a northern kingdom. So they each had their own king. And and we'll actually look at a couple of these guys here in just a, a moment. But the result of seeking God, and that's where I'm going with this, the result of seeking God is this. So the Lord established Jehoshaphat's control over the kingdom of Judah. All the people of Judah brought gifts to Jehoshaphat, so he became what? Very wealthy and highly esteemed. Now, there are a lot of people who get upset when we say that the gospel leads to prosperity. If you live for Jesus, it leads to prosperity. It doesn't always mean you're going to be a millionaire. But the Lord's going to meet your needs. You're going to have whole health. Your house isn't going to be falling apart. That's what this is saying. And because he honored God with his life, God blessed him, blessed his kingship, if you will, and he became very wealthy and highly esteemed. That last part is important. To have people think highly of you is important versus the other. I've been on both sides. Well, even today, I'm on both sides. There are people that highly esteem me, and there are people that don't. just depends on which camp they're in. Verse 6, he was deeply committed. Get this. Say it with me. He was deeply committed to the ways of the Lord. Deeply committed. What did he do? He removed the pagan shrines and the Asherah poles from Judah. Israel still had them. In fact, their king, King Ahab, anybody remember him? He was married to a wonderful woman by the name of Jezebel. I'm being facetious. (laughs) She was not a wonderful woman. She was a wicked, evil woman. And she allowed all these gods to be worshipped. The more the better. She even had her own arsenal of prophets, which we'll see here in a moment. Let me ask you this. Are you deeply committed to the Lord? How would you identify this if you were? What do you think would be an example? What would an example be if, if you wanted your kids 
to recognize that you're deeply committed to the Lord? What, what might be some things that they would see about you? Read the Bible. You pray. What else? Come to church once in a while. Might be a good one. Show the love of Jesus. Good one. How you take care of one another. Forgiveness. That's huge. Cool. You guys got it. You've got this. So ask yourself, recognizing that you just named some of those things, is that me? Am I truly committed to the Lord? Do I take time out of my busy schedule to honor Him, to worship Him, to take time alone to be with Him? And that's a question only you can answer. I can't answer that for you. You can't hang on your wife's coattails when it comes to this, men. You either do it or you don't. God wants you to. You're one of His kids. But it's up to us whether we do. And sometimes it's, it's the other way. Women, you can't hang on your husband's coattails. Worship God with your all. Give Him everything you have. It does something in your household when you do this. Why is this so important? Just like Israel's foreign enemies, and remember the, they had a lot of them, right? The Ite brothers, as I like to call them. Mennonites, no, not Mennonites. <laughs> Ammonites, Jerizites, Jebusites, Parasites. Here's the thing, and this is why somebody said this the other day. They said, why did God have Israel destroy so many people? When they came in and they took a land over, why did they, God say, go kill them all? Because their culture that allowed all these other little gods in would water down their faithfulness to the one true God. And God didn't want that. He wanted their devotion 100%. He didn't want 1% of their devotion going to some other God on, the, on a hill. He wanted them to be sold out to him. This is important for all of us to get. Eventually, if you let other cultures come into your own culture, and we've seen this in the United States, your worship of the one true God will be watered down. And other little gods will start popping up as we see all over this country. And it'll be okay. It's okay. Is it? Well, you, you guys are just being too hard. See, that's why we don't like Christianity, because you, you don't tolerate anybody else's beliefs. This is not my book. This is God's. I'm not, I can't change it. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. Did he change? He doesn't change. So who are we to say it's okay to usher in all these other little gods? It's okay to worship whoever you feel like worshiping. No, it's not. There's only one way to heaven. Through Jesus, the Son. If God said it any other way, I would, I'd jump on it because it would really take a whole big load off of us. 
But he didn't say that. He's very clear. Don't follow after any other gods. Our leaders should be ripping down these idols. The fact is, they're actually propping them back up. They're removing the God, the one true God. Oh, we can't have, we can't have the Ten Commandments. Separation of church and state. Somebody might read it and be offended. I don't know why I'm sounding like a cookie monster. <laughs> I like the cookie monster. It is my prayer that we help lead people back to the one true God, to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's my prayer that people will see Jesus in us and say, what is it that you have? I want it. 1 John 5.20, the Apostle John said this, and we know that the Son of God has come. How many can say amen? He has given us understanding so that we can know the true God, or some versions say the one true God, and now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ. So there again, is there another way to have fellowship with God? No, the only way is through the one true God, the Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God, and John said he is eternal life. Want eternal life? Go to the Son. You can't go anywhere else and get it. That's why it's so important that we get this message out there. As I've been saying, there's only one true God, Jesus Christ. Serve him and him alone. Back to our king, Jehoshaphat. In 2 Chronicles 17, verse 7a, it says, In the third year of his reign, Jehoshaphat sent his officials to teach in all the towns of Judah. What were they teaching? The law, the ways of the Lord. Why did he do this? Because he knew it would help them to come back. That it would wake them up and they'd stop serving these other gods if they heard the truth. Why is it that Satan wants this book cut off? Because when people read it, it what? Leads them to him. It's the only way. Jehoshaphat recognized that if he shared this good news with his people, they would eventually come back. Second Chronicles 17, verse 9 and following, it says, they took copies of the book of the law of the Lord, and they traveled around through all the towns of Judah teaching the people. Listen to this, verse 10, it says, then the fear of the Lord fell over all the surrounding kingdoms, so that none of them wanted to declare war on Jehoshaphat. So when he shared God's book, the law, the Torah, when he shared this with the people, it actually put the fear of God in them. That's what we're missing today. Well, you can't, you can't go into public, man, and, 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 and share that. The, you can't talk about God. You can't share the Bible in a public place. Go out right now. 
Go downtown if, if you can get a little gathering. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him will have... I should have said will not die, will have ever... Try it. You're going to have people come. Hey, hey, what are you, this is a public place, man. Whatever happened to free speech? I don't know. It's free unless you're talking about Jesus. Then there's a whole other set of rules, seems to, seems to me. Ahab saw that his people needed to hear the truth because they'd forgotten. And as he sent his people out and they shared this, they taught the people, the people came back to the Lord. It's, it says this in verse 11, some of the Philistines brought him gifts. Now, that they weren't his friend, all right? And yet, they still had the fear of the Lord, and they brought him gifts and silver as tribute. Even the Arabs brought 7,700 rams and 7,700 male goats. These people aren't even believers. But they feared the Lord as Jehoshaphat shared the truths about God. Maybe that's why there are so many people out there that don't get it. Because the church is so quiet. Verse 12, so Jehoshaphat became more and more powerful and built fortresses and stored cities throughout Judea. He had so much, he had to build places to store it. That's the kind of God we serve. Now, the Bible also says, Jesus said this, don't store up your wealth on heaven. Don't go building barns so you can put more in it. We're supposed to be like, like the bank. It comes in and it goes out. It comes in and it goes out. He pours in, it goes out. We give out. That's how it should be. So don't be one of those that's clinging to it because you can't take it with you. Store your treasures where? In heaven. Jehoshaphat understood that if he honored God, if he taught his people about the Lord, shared his ways, that the Lord would bless him. And here's a good point I wanted to share. When you amplify the Lord's business, he multiplies your business. When you amplify the Lord's business, he multiplies your business. And you may say, well, I'm not in business. Oh, we're all in business. You may work for a business, but you're in business. And what you do for that company can make or break them. When you put God first, that company will prosper. Even if they're not believers. You're, by your just being there, as somebody that loves God and worships Him, you will bring prosperity to that place. That's pretty cool. Why? Why does God do that? Because He wants them to see there's something different about His people. It's a good thing to serve the Lord. So I stuck this in here. If you find yourself in a financial abyss, you get what I'm saying? A deep hole that you can't seem to get out of, then teach your family the Lord's way. Start there. Then share His ways with your friends. Begin to invite people in. And, and I was talking to somebody recently, and I just said, you know, take one of our little books with you. Uh, uh, the New Life, The Start of Something Wonderful. Or we've got another one that we, that's called uh, The Seven Basics. 
take that to this couple and just sit down. That doesn't have to be in church. You can disciple people right in your own living rooms. You can share the love of God because sometimes you got to get them convinced before you'll get them in the church. Or maybe they've been hurt in the church, but you got to get them back to a place where they've got that foundation laid before they'll actually have the fear of the Lord again, similar to what Jehoshaphat had to do. And we would, we would love to send one of those or two of those or five of those books home with you. We'd get more if we needed to. So share this with your friends and then watch and see what the Lord does. Chapter 18, it speaks of how Jehoshaphat made an alliance with this king Ahab. Again, I've already talked a little bit about him. Uh, Jehoshaphat's son married Ahab's daughter. Here's the thing, when you marry into a family back in the Old Testament, it's similar today but not quite as contractual. If either side went to war after you married into this family, you were obligated to help the, your, now your son's father-in-law. All right, And this really leads to some major issues. Jehoshaphat he made the wrong move here. He should never have allowed his son to marry into Ahab's family. Because Israel, at the time, was evil. God said that, not me. Ahab was evil. We already talked about Jezebel. Do you think their daughter was any different? No. All right, so this is a family thing. And Jehoshaphat, here's this guy that loves the Lord, serves him with all his heart has been taken down the Asherah poles in Judah, what's he do? He marries into this family. Duh. What do you think is going to happen? Issues. So Ahab, as soon as they were married, he had this piece of property that he wanted. Not the grapevine. Not the orchard. That's another time. This was Ramoth Gilead. He wanted this. It, it belonged to Israel before, but they'd lost it, and he wanted it back. But he didn't want to get it on his own. He knew he needed help. So he calls King Jehoshaphat. Hey, now that you're my relative, I'm going to go take this land back. And immediately, Jehoshaphat says, okay, I'm with you. Because he knew I'm bound by contract, pretty much. I have to go with him. I have to help him. But this is what they did, and they, they usually did this before a war. They would invite their seers, their prophetic people, to come out and to share a good word and tell them, oh, yes, you're going to win the war. You're going to just stomp on the enemy. At least that's what they wanted to hear, right? But in this case, when Ahab called his prophets out, all 400 of them, remember that number? Called all 400 of them out, and oh yeah, oh King Ahab, yes, you've got this. God's going to bless you. You're going to, oh yes, I see it now. You're going to plunder the enemy. But Jehoshaphat, he looks at these 400 seers, and he says, isn't there somebody here that represents God? The one true God. And I love it, because Ahab says, oh yeah, 
There is, but I don't like asking him because he, he never tells me what I want to hear. Really. How interesting. So what does Jehoshaphat say? I want to hear from him. Call him. Call Micaiah. And that's where we, we catch up here. Uh, I believe it's, uh, I've got that one up there. Jehoshaphat asked, is there not also a prophet of the Lord here? We should ask him the same question. Are we going to be victorious? So after, after Ahab goes through all this, after he gets frustrated with this prophet, and then King Jehoshaphat says, I still want to hear from him. They call this guy out. And guess what he tells them? Exactly like King Ahab said, everything was negative. You're going to lose. In fact, he said, King Ahab, you're going to die. <laughs> Not what you want to hear, right? So what does King Ahab do? Throw him in prison. Only feed him bread and water till I get back. <laughs> and, and Micaiah looks up, he goes, that ain't going to happen because you ain't coming back. If you do, I haven't heard from the Lord. Right? And I'm like, oh, wow, this guy's pretty cocky. You could be that way when you really hear from the Lord. And obviously he did. They went to battle. And guess what happened? Here, I'm not going to go into detail, but King Ahab tried to look like somebody else. Instead of looking like King Ahab, he dressed like one of his other guys. And an arrow just sort of whew, right through his armor. Mortal wound. He didn't make it. He died, just like the prophet said. So Jehoshaphat, tail tucked between his legs, crying, blowing his nose. Can I get another blows, nose blower? Guess what he gets faced with? Another prophet of God. Oh, they're everywhere now. And this, this time it's not very much fun. I've got to figure out where I'm at here. As King Jehoshaphat returned from battle, he was greeted by another prophet of God. This is in 2 Chronicles chapter 19, verses 1 to 3. When King Jehoshaphat of Judah arrived safely home in Jerusalem, Yehu, son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him. Why should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord, he asked the king. Because of what you've done, the Lord is very angry with you. God gets angry sometimes. You don't want to be on the receiving end, though, of his anger. From what I've seen in the Bible, it can be pretty, pretty nasty. So don't think that you can partner with an ungodly person and God's just going to turn his head the other way. There are going to be consequences. That's what happened here. There are consequences. That's what the prophet is saying to him. You will be judged if you do this. Verse 3, even so there is some good in you, for you have removed the Asherah poles throughout the land, and you have committed yourself to seeking God. So Jehoshaphat was doing great until he married into this family. He blew it there. God didn't just 
push him out, didn't kill him or anything like that. He just said, hey, wake up. Don't do that again. Don't be stupid. Sometimes the Holy Spirit says that to us, doesn't he? Hallelujah. So after this push to bring the people back to God, something happened. There was a test. How many know that when you trust in the Lord, your faith is going to be tested? When you say, God has healed me, you're going to be tested. When you say, God has prospered me, you're going to be tested. Faith isn't faith until it's all you're holding on to. Have you passed the test? Are you with me still? Right after Jehoshaphat called his people back to God, his enemies came to wage war against him. And what did the people do? Probably like us, they were afraid. Imagine if we knew that Russia and China tomorrow wanted to come and blow us up. Similar, all right? We got a few more weapons today, but just trying to get your, get your head in the game here with me. What would you do? Would you be afraid or would you be going, hoorah, I love God, he's with me. Well, some of us probably would be doing that. We'd be like, yeah, Jesus is coming back. We ain't got to worry about this. But a lot of people be afraid. And that's where common sense says you got to calm them down and say it's going to be all right. The Lord is with us. Right? If God is for us, who could be against us? No weapon formed against us is going to prosper, and so on. The people were afraid, but as we're about to see, Jehoshaphat, who had done his best to put God back in his country, to make him the head again, he had a powerful weapon that even the people didn't realize they had. Second Chronicles 20 now. And I'm going to read from verse 13. It says, As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, their children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Yeilah, son of Metaniah, a Levite who was a descendant of Asaph. He said, Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says. Can you read this with me? Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but... What changed? He was just rebuked by the prophet of God, and now God's saying, I'm with you. Your enemy is my enemy. Don't worry about this thing. Verse 16 says, Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of seats at the end of the valley that opens in the wilderness of Yerul. But you will not even need to fight. What? 
That's the kind of God you and I serve. We, you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, stand still, and watch the Lord's victory. Can I get a shout? He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. If you're living for God, if you're worshiping Him in your family, in your household, if you're honoring Him with your all, this is you. Then King Jehoshaphat, and, and these highlights are mine, then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same. Doing what? Worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans at Koath and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. Can we get a hoorah for Jesus today? Hallelujah. Verse 20, chapter 20. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. This next verse, which I'm going to put up, is the key verse of this whole thing. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang, give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Wow. We're going to battle. Pastor Roger, Mary, get ready. You're in the front. Where's Chad? Chad, Clarence, you're in the front. John, I don't know how you're taking your drum with you, but we'll work it out. You're right there with them. Yeah. What does this show? Usually, and, and my son, he has this video game that he bought. I forgot the name of it now, but anyway, lots of tanks and jets and things, and you blow stuff up. And what I like to drive if I'm playing the game is the tank, because that thing's awesome. Nobody can hurt you. Boom, boom, and it blows everything up, right? That's not what God puts out in front. He puts the artistic people out there. What in the world? But it's a sign of their faith. If they'd sent the army first, it would have said what? We don't believe. But because they were willing to listen to God and his instruction and send the singers first to do what? Praise the Lord to worship Him. Listen to this part. This is awesome. I love this. I should have put this up. The singer celebrated the victory before, before, get that, before they'd won the battle. All right? Very important. Now, oh, I thought I had this in here. At the very moment they began to sing, verse 22. I'm going to say it again. At the very moment they began to sing, their enemy turned on one another. At the very moment they began to worship their God, their enemy turned on itself. Let me read it. 
the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. Excuse me. Woo. I'm almost ready to wrap up. <laughs> I think this is awesome. At the very moment they began to sing, victory was theirs. When you celebrate the Lord, He will hand you the victory. So if you find yourself in a place where you don't know where to turn, start worshiping Him. You know, if you've got stuff in, if you got idols in your house, what do you do? Get rid of them. <clears throat> Little things can mean a lot. It's a sign of your faithfulness. Get rid of whatever takes your eyes off of Him, and replace it with the King. Begin to worship Him. Second Chronicles 20, 25, King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder more than they could carry. The Bible says it took three days for them to collect it all. That's a lot of plunder, isn't it? Then down to verse 26 to 30, and then I'm going to close. On the fourth day, they gathered in the Valley of Blessing, which got its name that day, because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. It is still called the Valley of Blessing today. How cool is that? Then all the men returned to Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat leading them, overjoyed that the Lord had given them the victory over their enemies. Now they could really celebrate, right? Now it's past tense. All right, They went through the faith test. They passed it. God gave them the victory. Now they're coming back with all the plunder. They marched into Jerusalem to the music of harps, lyres, and trumpets. And then they proceeded to the temple of the Lord. I love that part. You know, they didn't go to their homes and count their treasures. They went to the temple of the Lord because they wanted to honor Him. They knew. <laughs> they didn't have to lift a finger. They knew God had given them the victory. And he wants to do the same thing for us. This might be an Old Testament story, but it has a purpose. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. He wants to bless his kids today just as much as he did back then. And when we do the right thing, when we live the right way, when we honor him with everything we have, all that we are, our families, our wealth, etc., when we worship him with our all, he can take that and do amazing, miraculous things. And He wants to do just that for you. When you celebrate the Lord, this is the key point here, He ensures your victory. Could I have the worship team come on up?
Some of you, I believe, need a victory. And I know last week I opened the altar up and I just said, come. And we had a lot of people come up. I, I I was blessed by that. There's just something about taking that step of faith. So I'm just going to throw it out right now. If you need a victory in your life, as we begin singing the song again, you say, what God says about us, I want you to come up. Maybe you've got some idols in your life that you need to get rid of. Then come up and just kneel and just say, Lord, help me with this. I need to get rid of this idol in my life, or idols. Let God, let, let the Holy Spirit tell you what you need to get rid of. And then... Begin to praise the Lord with your very all. This is so important. Pastor Barb shared this with me before you guys start singing. You could could play a little softly if you wanted to, uh, just because it always adds a nice touch to this. Pastor Barb gave me this illustration, and I thought about it, and I thought, oh, that's cool. How many have a child, a little child, or a little grandchild? Let me ask you this. When they come to you, what do you do? Why? They reached out. Why else? Because they're so doggone cute. You just want to smooch their little faces off. And because by doing this, they're saying, I need you. And it melts your heart. It's no different with God. Our loving Heavenly Father, Abba, Daddy. When we worship Him, and when we just melt in His hands, something happens to us. Just like when you grab your son or your daughter or your grandchild and it melts your heart. It does the same to God's and he loves to be intimate with us like that. So I'm, I'm not telling you how to worship. I'm just saying, think about that. What you're saying when you lift your hands is I need you, Daddy. I need you sing this song and if you're led to do so come make an altar come worship him lift your hands be like a little child as the Bible says come unto me as little children such is the kingdom of heaven and after the song I'll I'll close in prayer you'd like to stand maybe we Lord don't let us forget about this moment in time just help us to go out of here attitude of praise. May we carry this with us. You have just, you filled me up today and I thank you for that. I hope that many others here feel the same. Lord, keep us safe in our coming and going. Bless our time with our families today. We love you. And we commit the people of Mount Hope Church, Lord, into your hands. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.